Welcome to the Bear and the Ball. I am your host, Nick Webster, and I am delighted today to invite, invite one of my favorite friends in the entire world, the CEO of Cal South, Mr. Terry Fisher. Terry, it's a brand new season. Obviously, it's a brand new season all over the world, and it's a brand new season here in Southern California. Club soccer for the youths is just about to start. I believe September the 15th is the kickoff day for Coast Soccer League and our good friend Bernie Towers. And you have now been in the hot seat for something like 14 months. How are things going? It's a fabulous, it's a fabulous time to be in Cal South. It's a fabulous time to be working in soccer in America. And quite honestly, Nick, uh, I thought when I was in Washington that I had the best job in America. And now I have found out that I have the best job in America here in Cal South. Uh, given the opportunity that we have in a, in a market that's 24 million people strong with unlimited ability, uh, availability of, of uh, players that want to participate in the sport with the World Cup coming in 26 with Qatar only 95 days away with the Women's World Cup coming up next next summer in Australia, New Zealand, with the planning that's going on for the ninth, for the 28 Olympics and the hosting potential for the World Cup women's in either 27 or 31. If you can't do it in Los Angeles, my friend, you can't do it. So for me, uh, it, it became an opportunity in June of 2021 uh, with the issues that had been created within Cal South of of the loss of membership to to SoCal to to some disgruntlement related to governance, I think if we take a reflection on the first fourteen months, we've changed governance. We got a brand new way to structure our board of directors. We've got clear direction from the staff about new programming. We are very focused on being a great and supercharged member services group. We're interested in providing opportunities for the unaffiliated underserved, and we are getting around to working with our adults, which has been our task for many years, and we are now focusing on the adults, and we're building bridges to create transactions. So year one has been exciting. Year two is gonna be incredibly um, interesting because it's the rebuilding. We've re-energized new logo, rebranded. Re we're switching from Nike to Adidas. Uh, we're looking at an entire new program for how we approach cups. We're looking for recruitment of new people to come into our organization that have never been involved with us prior. And we're looking to go back and re, re, uh, reinvest in the community and our foundation, which is now back in full swing with Jordan Schweitzer. So I would tell you, Nick Webster, that if you've ever had to choose an organization for which to play soccer as a youth from five to, to the grave, it is only one choice, Cal South. And we have to make that message known loud and clear. And we are working in that as we speak every day. So I'm excited to be here with you. Well, let's chat about some of the, the, the new members of staff. And uh, I'm delighted to welcome Diogo Gama from Sporting Club Portugal. And Diogo and I have had many chats. He's the new director of soccer. Tell us a little bit about Diogo and what you're hoping he's going to bring to the organization, because I, I, I see him as just this, this wizard, this genius of soccer fr from that cradle to grave that you were describing. Well, let's, let's take the word genius out of there, because the last genius I knew was John Wooden, 
And John Wooden only became a genius when he got great players. He was the same coach when he was a losing coach at UCLA. But when he got good players, he became a genius. So, A, Diogo Gama uh, has been brought in to give us a new look and a fresh start at the way we approach soccer for, this, for the first uh, 50 years of, of Cal South in the 21st century. Steve Hoffman and our entire team have created a history, a legacy, 80, 80 national championships, countless numbers of regional champions, huge success in ODP, created some of the best players in American soccer over our first 49 years in the business. But it's important that you know that we are more than just coaching education. We're more than ODP. We're looking to broaden our base. We're looking to bring into the program new ideas and, and fresh ideas. Steve Hoffman, Diogo, Anthony Morales, the coaching education staff, the ODP staff. I would submit to you, Nick, that in the United States, there is no better technical team than we have in Cal South. Specifically, let's put Steve over here. What he's done for 30 years plus in Cal South is that of legends. Uh, the hard work, the day-to-day -day, uh, things that they've created stands second to none in the United States. So when you come in and bring uh, to an organization a director of soccer, that's clearly uh, of a different generation, clearly of different experiences. Uh, Diogo is Portuguese. Diogo has grown up in that culture. Diogo was a world-class rugby player. Bah, he became a fitness instructor in, in Portugal, went to Real Madrid, left Real Madrid to go to Aspire Academy for seven years where he was director of methodology. So if you think about that, director methodology for an organization like Aspire that was bidding for multiple World Cups, were bidding for the Qatar uh, situation and running that well-funded program, money was not an issue in the years that he was there. He ran that seven years and then came back to Sporting Club of Portugal where he was in, intimately involved in the methodology at the academy. And oh, let's say, well, what does that mean? No club in the world, with the exception of Ajax, has produced more players to go all over the world in professional soccer than have been exported from Sporting Club of Portugal. So I would submit to all of those geniuses out there in soccer in Cal South that, look, there's a thousand ways to roam, many roads to get to the same destination. And I submit that Diogo has some ideas about how we can improve soccer development, player development, coaching development, uh, competition development, and an ethos of success that Cal South in this time needed when we had this fracture in youth soccer in Southern California. All I heard about was all the good soccers played over there. Well, I submit to you, nobody plays better soccer in competitive league than is played in Coast Soccer League. Nobody has a better competitive, well-run league than Bernie Towers Coast Soccer League. For all of those wannabes, all of those pretenders, all of those dissidents, the facts just don't bear it out. Those people left because they wanted something other than worrying about player development. It was all about control and money. And on our side of the bar, we're left with player development. We're left with running all the programs for ODP. We're left with running all the programs for referee 
development. We're held responsible for all the things within uh, USU soccer to grow the game. Well, when you take a punch in the eye and you lose half your membership for I yet to find the defined reasons, uh, we are going to go out and do all the things necessary on the technical side to be beyond reproach. People can ask us about what we're doing. Everything we're doing is based on modern 21st century ideas. And some of those are difficult to in insert into the community in Southern California because a lot of people are entrenched in old ways of thinking. So we're going to be initiating a huge futsal program. We are interested in doing, you know, 3v3, 5v5, 7 versus 7, small-sided. We're interested in developing players' players' ability to work with the ball. And this stuff is development. It's not results-oriented. It's player development. And I would suggest that in a club, if your first idea is not about player development, it's only focused on immediate results, then you're probably in the wrong business. And that's what Diogo brings back to Cal South. It laid that over the top of Steve Hoffman on the top of all of his education staff, on top of all of his ODP stuff, insert that into the ideas of, of Anthony Morales and our cups. And I think it is a formula for success and rebuilding and rebranding. On the cup side, well, we announced two weeks ago that we were opening the cups to everybody and anybody who played soccer in Cal South territory from San Luis Obispo to the Mexican border to Arizona and the Pacific uh, coastline. And we say, look, if you really want to talk about competition and you really want to have best versus best, and you really think you're better than, then just pay the registration fee for your players, join the cup and enter the competition. And the idea is for us to stop this craziness, this silliness about fracturing of the youth soccer community in Cal South. I can't worry about the rest of the country. I'm just talking about Cal South. We need to fix it here first and worry about the rest of the country later. And that's what we've done. And I can't wait to see how many teams from outside of the current Cal South have the courage to join the State Cup and play and see where they end up and how we can better the competition. You know, we certainly want to have everybody rejoin, replay, get a chance to go to regionals, chance to go to nationals, chance to win a championship in a real competitive environment that has been around for a lot of years. And um, so that's the technical side. And that's that's Diogo Gama in a nutshell. But let's talk more, more about the cup because obviously, you know, coming from England, the FA Cup was one of my most favorite tournaments of the entire year. How is it going to work? What is the format? And for, for me, the, the biggest excitement is to be seen who is the best on the field. It's not, oh, I've, 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 you know, I've, I've paid my money and now I can be in this uh, elite league. No, it's not like that. You're going to play a team that you've maybe never played before. Well, it's it's uh, it's aggregation. You know, I've I've talked about this for several years, talking about we need to re we need to aggregate playing competitions between all the organizations because the United States is not like Brazil, where we have ten thousand players of of equal ability and we can pick and choose. We should be playing the best of our best against each other every week in and out. Well, the State Cup uh, program is meant to allow teams. Uh, from any organization in the state to enter the state cup. 
The state cup will be drawn. There'll be a draw. They'll be playing in a group. They'll, it's not a single knockout. It's a draw. And they play in a group play and they advance to uh, the various levels in the competition. So we get a champion that goes to the regionals in Boise and into the finals in the, the national competition. So the good news is they get to play multiple games. They get to play play in a format that is pretty much traditional. And at the end of the day, usually the better teams win. And it isn't a question of an FA Cup where it's one game out or a home and away in the second round or third rounds. But it's an opportunity for these people to showcase the fact that, yes, we were in Cal South at one time. Now we're in another org, but we're reentering a cup. And it is a leveler for me to say, look, in this year, in that event, in that age group, boys or girls, we were the best team. It doesn't mean anything over time. It means in this year, this event, this time. So it's opening and breaking down barriers, Nick, between obviously getting integrated uh, league play is a whole secondary step to this. So let's first get integrated cup play. And for me, it leads to the, the idea down the road where I said we can aggregate league play where teams from any organization can play in a table, in a standings, publish, keep your own money, keep your own player registrations, keep whatever. But we need to integrate the players so that we get the best opportunity for kids to have player development over time. And this nonsense that we've created, these silos where everybody says, oh, it's a new league, it's a new thing, it's a new with, a, with an alphabet soup. It's all a fraud. It's all a fraud. We should all be playing each other week in and week out, looking at travel, looking at levels of competition, like versus like, and get back to the realities and take the money out of the game. It's crazy. When did the alphabet soup really start happening? I mean, you, you've been in Washington for quite some time, and 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 now you've you've always had your uh, your your roots here in in California. When did you think it really started, and and why did it why did it gain traction? Well, I think it's I think it started probably my my guess is it's going to be in the nineties, and it's probably got its root when U.S. Club really came into fruition in 19, the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was all this, this idea about DOCs wanted control. They wanted, in quote, soccer people to be running soccer in America. And it didn't matter whether you were a soccer person that had been involved in the game as a player or as a coach, and you suddenly became an administrator. And the minute you came over to the other side and became a, an administrator, you had forgotten everything about soccer, and it was all left to DOCs. So Cal South was at the beginning of this, and it all started with La Jolla and Huntington Beach and all of the teams of the early, early um, 1990s when, when paid soccer coaches really came into being. I think the discontent started in the late 80s when soccer coaches actually started getting paid. Uh, in Northern California, we didn't pay a single soccer coach until the late eight, 1980s. But pay for coaching... Uh, development of, of club system, development of the idea that if you weren't playing in such a club, you weren't ever going to develop as a player. You better come over here. Aggregation of good players into one club, super clubs created. And here we are 40 years later, it's spun into now this idea that if you're not a member of this club, you have no chance of advancing either in high school soccer or college soccer or heaven forbid the half of 1% that ever thinks they can be a professional athlete in the game of soccer. So that's where the craziness started. 
Then we started various levels of play. Oh, spinning off to ECNL. Well, we need something better. Then spinning off into DNAs. Oh, we need something better. And in between all of those, Nick, there were variations of Northwest uh, Premier League. You know, started up there with the group in Washington, with the teams in Oregon. They wanted something beyond regular league play within Washington State and Oregon State. Well, that was to moms and dads another $2,000 a year to play in another competition where you had to travel between Washington, Seattle, and Boise. And oh, by the way, then it expanded to Northern California. And oh, by the way, then it expanded into Southern California. And oh, by the way, then it went to the Dallas Cup. And oh, by the way, then it went to Europe. And on and on and on it goes. Listen, all of these experiences are great for athletes. They're very, very, very financially intensive for moms and dads. So credit to all those people that find a way to do it. Credit for all those people that want their children to have the best of the best. All I'm saying is that as the cost of soccer has gone up in the country, we've left behind some of our our most important stable forces about concerning most about PDI. And then came GA, then came DA, then came all the various iterations of Major League Next, all of that stuff. I think it's a pretty natural uh, progression of people that want to create opportunities either for the person that's creating the opportunity, the person who's creating the league or the organization that owns the league. And they all do it under the guise that we need another level of play. Well, I kind of submit that if we had a, if we had a promotion relegation system of every U 16 boys team in the state of Cal South, all in an integrated table and all in a divisions from one to, and name the number of teams. How many U16 boys teams are there in the state of California? If there's 200 of them, they're in 10 divisions of 20, or they're, you know, break it up any way you want to, all based on in the year one, there is going to be placement issues. Who belongs in this division, that division? But at the end of the day, all the divisions have champions. All of the divisions have second place people. All of that is possible then to have a competitive playoff where you can have proper promotion relegation and it will perhaps over time create an opportunity for rosters to get some ability to stabilize because they know they can move up there isn't this this every year we got to steal six players from another club in order to be competitive to stay in the top division of of the alphabet soup it really gives platform to those clubs that really care about player development because what is the biggest fear now a boutique club in san diego has only one team per age group they're worried about their best three players being poached by a bigger club and suddenly they're back to square one again and i'm suggesting that if they were playing in a table and they were placed in a group and they won their division and they went into a playoff and they proved success they would have a better chance of retaining players year over year so as a coach nick you know The only way you can help a player is if you develop him over several years. You don't own the player. And if you truly aren't good enough anymore as a coach or as a club, then you should tell that player to go and play on the next team. He doesn't have to get poached. He should be pushed into the next level, not poached, pushed. And this is where we have to get over ourselves as coaches. Coaching is hard day-to-day repetition. It's hard work. And I submit to you that that hard work 
uh, should be rewarding to you that if you have a player that's good enough to go to the next level club where they have a bigger, better program that can be beneficial, you as the coach have an obligation to tell the mom and dad your son or daughter belongs in the next level. I'll take the kid that didn't make my team, the new 19 becomes my 18, and I'll work with that kid and I'll give him the same development and the same opportunity, and I'll get great satisfaction out of developing that player to his best potential. Because look, these kids play in organized youth soccer. They then perhaps go and play in high school soccer. They then go to play in college soccer. They then go either to the next level in professional soccer or they become adult soccer players. You know, we graduate out every year tens of thousands of children who should continue to play in a vibrant, healthy U20, under 21, U23, young adults, and then should graduate into full adults, you know, older people, you know, where the game might slow down a bit, but they still have the passion. And they should be continuing to play and have, have soccer be for them a sport for life, both as a player, as a youth, player as an adult, player then becomes a referee or a coach or an administrator. And now the cycle, you have an ecosystem that is healthy and re, re, rebirthing itself so that it can have continuity, growth, and quality. That's the goal of Cal South. That is our mission. The growth of the game of soccer in the state of Cal South. Well, I love the idea of pushing players on. And I've, I've got a little story to tell you. Back in 2002, I was coaching a young girl by the name of Ali Riley, who is now the captain of Angel City FC. At the time, she was on uh, uh, the West Side Breakers. And I could tell that her skill level and her attitude and her desire to be a top player was so much bigger than the club. And I remember having the conversation with her parents saying, listen, you've got to take her to uh, Real Sol Cal in the Valley. And they were, and they were like, right. what? How, how, why, why are you doing this? And I said, because your daughter has talent and she needs to go to the next level. And I think that, I think that coaches, uh, they do, they, they get selfish and, and they look at their wins and losses and, and decide that, you know, certain players aren't going to leave because they're helping me look good. And, and so, Terry, what is the fear of promotion and relegation? Because we, we hear about it, obviously, in, at the pro level with MLS and the fact that they don't want promotion and relegation. And now we're experiencing it here at the youth level. Why are people afraid of promotion and relegation? Because the great thing about a table is it doesn't lie. You finish where you finish because that's where you deserve to finish. The... The concept is so um, un-American in a lot of ways. You know, with the Yankees, if they win the World Series, they stay up. And if uh, the Baltimore Orioles finish last, they don't go into AAA. So in a lot of ways, Nick, it's cultural. And if you take the perspective of, think about this, in, in many parts of the United States, soccer, believe it or not, is still viewed as a foreign game. And this is 50 years 50 years since the 1970 World Cup, 50 years. So if it took that long for the game to be accepted as an American sport, the concept of relegation and promotion is got probably another 150 to 200 years to go, if, if ever. Uh, 
for investors, you know, look, we have a lot of American ownership that's involved in European soccer around in soccer around the world, not just in Europe. They get they get relegation. They get it. Uh, those 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 clubs have lived that for their entire existence, and that's part of the deal. I think at the professional level, uh, especially at Major League Soccer, it's there's never going to be relegation promotion. Not going to happen. I think that they will cap out uh, the numbers of MLS franchises. And quite honestly, Nick, the investment for those people is far too big. And I don't even want to discuss the merits of <coughs> promoting the team out of championship into MLS. The idea that DC United would drop into the championship is unfathomable for those investors in DC United. Wayne Rooney would say, what? I get it. I'm part of that. I've been there, done that. But I think it's, it's that's that's that at a that a professional level. But let's talk at the youth level. If we aggregated, aggregated all teams and age groups, boys and girls of all levels in Cal South, regardless of affiliation, and put those into one table, and we had all of our gurus, our technical gurus, sit around a conference table and extol the merits of why their team should be in one division two, whatever the divisions of art based on the quantity. That's only an issue for year one, because then you would have a playing schedule. You would play the matches. You'd finish where you finish in your group. You would have the playoffs. You would have uh, champions. You would progress. And then the same bunch of, of technical people would sit down in the offseason of year one and say, here are the teams. They would have to have some retention of rosters because it's all about, well, how many of those kids are back? Because if you graduate out all the kids, how are you going to talk about the new population? So as they go up the age groups, you've got to have level-headed level headed DOCs that look at rosters and make as many comparatives as they can so that you can put like versus like into divisions. Nobody likes to play in a division where you're winning every week 6-7-0, and where's the parity in that? You've obviously made mistakes. So... I think we're capable of doing that. I think we're certainly capable of putting all those teams into one group. And I certainly know we're capable of putting together a league schedule that would have all those people competing. And then you could say we have truly a Cal South uh, league play. The standings would come out. Team number one keeps their brackets behind it, belong to USU. Bracket number two, they belong to SoCal. I don't care where they belong. They keep their player registration money. So we don't affect anybody's money. So number one problem, take it off the table. You get to keep your money. We don't take your money. You still get your money. Two, we now put them in a table where they have to play each other, where we can manage best facilities, where we can actually have equal, equal playing grounds, where we can get some symmetry. We could even put divisions together below the first two or three tiers where it's regional so we can start managing travel because some of these competitions are all based around, you know, we're a U15 girls team. We're not really that good and we don't really want to travel two hours for us, you know, a 90, 75 to 90 minute game. We'd like to play locally. Well, you can manage the lower divisions of those brackets on a regional travel basis, Nick, and put sanity back in the brain's of moms and dads in their lives. Because this is about the player family experience. And nobody sits around and says, I'm gonna make decisions just based on what's best for families. 
And I had a guy in Spokane five years ago who said, I'm not making one more decision in my soccer life that isn't first good for families. Now think about that. What's good for families? I know what's good for players. I know we can balance what's good for families, what's good for players, and then we can organize competitions. But what we have to do, Nick, is get over this egocentric uh, business that we've created where it's all about instant gratification and the big need to get bigger and they need to rule the world. What's that all about? That is unplayer development, not player development. That's power hungry, money hungry. It's not family first, players first. So that's my story on relegation. Uh, we can do it, Nick, in the youth side. Maybe the super group, not so much. Maybe the first two or three groups we can, but it's certainly something that we could do if we were managing all teams. You know, in order to have it work, we have to have all teams. Well, if you're a fan of promotion and relegation, Coast Soccer League is the place to play because Bernie Taos is a big fan of that. Let's talk about this uh, building bridges, Terry. And Juan Ignacio Blanco is working tirelessly to build bridges between Cal South and everybody else. How's that coming along? Well, if you thought that there was a project that was more difficult than player development, I'm going to talk to you about building bridges to create transactions. Because in any relationship, Nick, you have to take, you have to take the culture, the past, the historical past, and how many times before they've heard similar stories from perhaps people within organizations that were really trying to develop a relationship with communities. We want to get every community in Cal South uh, to be involved with and understanding what the benefits are of being a member of U.S. soccer and being specifically a member of U.S. youth soccer and having a seat and a voice at the table to help determine future programming, enrollment, uh, education, uh, family development, referee development within communities that we will just for purposes of this discussion be be declaring have been disenfranchised and un, un, unengaged by Cal South over the first 48 years. Now, you could say, look, in 1974 through 78, we were doing great things in these communities. Whatever the reasons were that it went sideways, the growth of the population, Listen, Los Angeles isn't what it was in 1974. Los Angeles now is a huge, complicated market of many ethnicities, all of which, first of all, need to be engaged on their own territory, in their own community, on their own terms, and made to, to appreciate the fact that we have some benefits uh, for membership. And what's the benefit? It's the benefit of being part of a bigger thing. And just like you're a friend or of any federation in the world, whether it's the English FA or the Dutch or the Germans or the South Americans or any of the Central Americans or the Asians, being part of a federation should be a pride for anybody who's involved in the game of soccer. You know, if you're a golfer, you belong to the USGA. You belong to it because what? They give you, they take your money, not much, 10 or 20 bucks. They send you a rule book. And they said you a bag tag and you're a member of the USGA. Well, Nick, what does that mean to a golfer? 
nothing more than you say, I'm a member of the USGA. I want people to run around and say, I'm a member of U.S. soccer. I'm a member of USYSA. I'm a member of Cal South. It's a seat at the table to help make decisions. If you don't have a seat at the table, it's impossible to have a voice. It's impossible for you to make a difference because you have no voice. Well, just saying those words, Nick, is nothing. What you actually have to do is back it up with consistent day-to-day engagement. What is that? Understand what they need. Understand what their obstacles are. Kicking down hurdles. Barging through the door to help them. Helping them understand how is registration. Helping them understand why it's important to have insurance. Tell them why it's important and impossible to get a field without liability insurance because nobody will rent you a field without insurance. Oh, why is it important to have a coaching license? Why is it important to go through safe sport? Why is it important to have somebody who can hear protest appeals and discipline? Why is it important to have somebody at an organizational level that when you have a problem, who is the first person they call? Cal South. Who is number one that has your back? Well, all of those things for the unaffiliated are issues that Juan Ignacio, who was one of the founders of Alianza, that for 15 years developed a great national program in 10 or 15 of the biggest markets in the United States, coming from a place where he understands what it takes to build trust. What a word, trust. Trust is a two-way street. He and the party's got to trust both ways, trust and trust. And developing that, Nick, is a lifetime's worth of work. And it's the words are really easy, The deeds are really hard. The deeds are really complicated. The deeds are really worth doing. And it's worth doing because without those unaffiliated members joining CalSouth, we are in a lot of ways, we are in a lot of ways cheating ourselves to to bring into our culture, their culture to make us better. They make us better. It isn't us to them. It's them to us. Now, the tens of thousands of children that are unaffiliated in Cal South is really just a number. Uh, we don't don't even know how to capture that. We can talk about the total number of school age children, Nick. School age children in Cal South. You should have twenty five percent of the total of school age children. They should be playing soccer in Cal South if you have truly a healthy organization. Well, we are not anywhere near close to that, of course. So the effort is that with our work in the foundation and our after-school program and our in-school programs and all the work that Juan Ignacio is doing, working with, with our communities across the state, we're trying to kick down barriers, build bridges, and create transactions and bring them into the family of Cal South. Because if we do that, we are going to have them for a lifetime kid at five stays with us till death. They stay a soccer person. So they talk in the coaching life of creating a joy and a love of the game in the early stages. Well, you know, we, in many, in many times, not only do we bring them into our early ages of kids, we make sure that they never like soccer again in their life by making their experience horrific. So what we need to do is make sure that every child that signs up at five has a great experience, loves soccer, Whether they become great at it or not, they become fans of soccer because that's the basis for our success 
through every level of U.S. soccer for the next 50 years. So that's why it's critically important to work that Juan Ignacio Blanco is doing. He's working very closely with the various consulates in Southern California. We're working very closely with, with also the Mexican Federation, developing programs for those children that are of dual nationality that perhaps have, a, have an interest to play in Mexico versus play in the United States. We are looking at border, border town situations where we can work together with, with all of those cities that are close to the United States that want to be involved in developing competitions with Mexican teams. We have some new tournaments coming into Cal South this fall that are going to feature uh, work with some of our professional teams in Mexico, as well as looking at all of the relationships. We have great relations with, with the six professional clubs in Southern California. Who else has six? London has six, but we ain't London. We're Cal South. We have six professional teams currently, six, I believe, all of which represent different levels you know, including the new Peter Moore deal starting up in Santa Barbara, the two fabulous women teams, the two uh, adult major league soccer teams, and of course, Landon Donovan's team down in San Diego. So amazing amounts of, of opportunity for us to re build relationships within those six clubs, plus our other clubs that are in the, you know, Orange County SC. We, we're working very closely with OSC right now in, in promotional programs with them. We're getting ready to start and launch our campaign to nominate the 50 best boys players, the 50 best girls players in the first 50 years of Cal South. It'll be online, submit the name. We're gonna do that thing over 18 months of asking for, for people to submit their, their nominations for that. But think about the great level of players we've created. Then we're going to talk about the referees we've created. Then we're going to talk about the coaches we've created. We're going to talk about the experiences. And I would like to take this chance to talk about the 50th anniversary in 2024. Uh, we've gotten acceptances. We wanted co-chairs for that. The co-chairs for our 50th anniversary at Cal South will be on, on uh, one side, Julie Foudy. On the other side, Alan Rothenberg. So if you know those names, you will say, I think we made two great choices, people that have been big influences on what has happened in Cal South in our first 50 years. So Juan Ignacio is bringing that community together. And the slash side of that is on the adult side. You know, we have had a long history of Southern California, going back to the San Pedro, uh, Greater Los Angeles Soccer League back in the days of, of um, of, um, of soccer in the early 70s, the good teams of Maccabee and others. And I think that that getting adult soccer again to be re-engaged with us is a really important, uh, really important thing for the growth and stabilization. Build a great youth organization, but give them a vibrant adult situation to play in, whether they play in co-ed soccer, whether they play in competitive leagues, whether they play in master's leagues of over 40s, uh, all of it, Nick, as you know, uh, being intimately involved in that process is a continuing effort. And, you know, we have to also look at ways that we can develop that to a higher level just within our state association, because we do have a fairly high frustration level with some of the things going on at the national level with USASA, how we can grow that organization into being better and more vibrant, how we can make it more relevant, how we can have better competitions locally where we can get teams that want to participate 
Everything now on the adult side has been driven towards prize money. Nobody wants to play unless there's a prize. Well, what the heck? I used to play in my day just to play. Get it. But uh, we have to look at that new economics. And we have gone into the five digits and in, in registration with adult soccer. We know we can get another thirty or 40,000 over time because I don't even know where we would cap out in adult soccer in Cal South if we ever got to all the people who actually play soccer in Cal South. And that, again, is talking to the managers of those leagues currently now that are unaffiliated and show them the benefits of affiliation. But again, Nick, that's also driven by money. Somebody runs a league. Somebody makes money in the league. Somebody doesn't know why they should pay money to U.S. soccer or USASA. What is the value proposition? All of those are creating bridges in order to create a transaction. It's a fantastic time to be involved with CalSouth. Terry Fisher, the CEO. And if you want more information on CalSouth, go to our website, calsouth.com. Sign up for our State Cup. Anybody is welcome. All are welcome. Let's see the best versus the best, the place where it should happen, on the pitch. Terry, always a pleasure to have you on the Bear and the Ball. We'll speak to you very soon. Thanks, Nick.